The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. And we are live to the W2M Network to tape, as per usual, with The Kickoff, episode 18. Good evening, afternoon, whenever you're listening to this, everybody. My name is Harry Broadhurst. I am your host. I am also a fan of the playoff-bound Buffalo Bills. The drought is over! Joining me this time are my co-hosts, Brandon Biscabing. I have a bone to pick with you, Harry, and we will get to that shortly. Well, you can pick your bone and I'll eat some crow here in a few moments. Don't worry. It'll grumble, grumble, grumble. Goddamn Albert Tigers out there. And, be such a- <laughs> and our executive producer turned to third co-host, Eric Watkins. Yes, where we only have to wait 10 years to get to the playoffs and we have a chance of winning. <laughs> you keep telling yourself that. Neither one of your teams have won the Super Bowl in the last in the last uh, century, so I won't be talking. I would point out the fact that your team won three games this year, Brandon. I don't deny that. I'm just pointing out facts. Yes, and you're choosing to live in history, whereas me and Eric are living in the present, and the present <laughs> equals the playoffs. Woo woo! Playoffs. We're talking about playoffs? <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to do that tonight. Didn't think we'd get it out of the way. That that should be that should have been our sound effect for when we did our predictions later. Playoffs? <laughs> Still one of the greatest press clips of all time. Oh, of course. Oh, all right, Brandon. We're going to start studs and duds here, and I'm going to let you go first because I know where this is going. First, a little honorable mention for an individual award to Shaquan Burkett, who capped this off with a 45-yard pick six to, to finalize the deal. But a big old stud shout-out to the UCF Knights, who say, screw you to the BCS. Dominate, well, I won't quite go as far as to say dominate, but beat Auburn in Georgia at Mercedes-Benz Stadium and go on to have the only, repeated, only undefeated season in Division 1A. And as they should, they are hanging a national championship banner at, uh, I forget what their stadium is called right now. But they're hanging. Bright House? What? Stadium? I think it's still called Bright House Stadium. Okay. As they in the Cape hanging, Company? Yes. They are hanging an undefeated, a national championship banner in their stadium, as they should, because they got snubbed. And this should be the kick in the rear end that the, the, the committee and, and the NCAA need to get rid of this whole mythical national championship BS and get a real playoff system in. As, as, as 
as mo as the fans of the real college sport that has a real tournament would say, this is a bracket buster. Thank you very much. Okay, allow me to reenact last week for everybody. Brandon, your prediction for the Peach Bowl, please. UCF over Auburn. (laughs) And and that laugh, and you can suck it. So bless that. Yeah, I I may have gotten this one wrong, folks. Just a little bit. (laughs) Just Just a a little bit. Um, enjoy it while it lasts Central Florida. You're going back to winning six games next year well, when you lose yeah, your coach. But there's, well, of course, because whenever a coach gets any success in a group of five school, they realize that it's only, you know, it's, you know, meaningless and it's not going to do them anything. So they obviously they're going to jump to a power five conference where they actually have a chance to make a quote unquote national championship playoff game. That's self-explanatory. I mean, <sighs> you, you didn't see, see, you wouldn't see a Brad Stevens or a Shaka Smart jumping to, you know, a power conference school when they actually had a legitimate chance. I mean, the only reason why Brad Stevens decided to go to the NBA was because of more money. But other well, than that, he wouldn't okay. have- I'm going to call bullshit on that, Brandon, because Shaka Smart did exactly that. That was only after his team started to, you know, go downhill. Shaka Smart jumped from VCU to Texas the first chance he had. But, see, there's a difference there. Yes, they're going to jump because they have an easier time recruiting and whatnot and an easier time getting into the the, uh, tournament. But it's not like it's impossible. You can stay at a program for multiple years, go to the tournament multiple times, and solidify your legacy and solidify your place. I mean, hell, look at uh, look at John Calipari. He was at Memphis, which is which at the time was in Conference USA, and he stayed there for a while. I would even go as far back as to mentioning that Coach Cal got his start at UMass. Exactly. But this is not tournament. This is not a college basketball podcast. Oh, I know. Yet, da da da, dramatic reverb. I stepped on your line, Eric. I apologize. <laughs> That's okay, because I'm sitting back thinking to myself, "Oh yeah, hmm." At least I said that UCF would give Auburn a game. I don't look nearly as bad. Yeah, I I may have screwed the pooch on this one. And that is an awful turn of phrase, just for the record. Anyways, all right, let's get back into the actual heart of the matter for the uh, conversation we have on this show here. Eric Stud. Well, for a man who, let's just face it, (laughs) his career's winding down, he's playing at a soccer stadium, he didn't even know if this one would mean anything in the grand scheme or not. It didn't. To go 23 for 37 for 387 yards and a couple touchdowns, Phillip Rivers, as much as I didn't quite like it in NC State, you, good sir, are my stud. Okay. I said this in the chat thread when you mentioned the fact that Rivers was going to be your stud for the week. 
And I'm going to repeat it for our audience here because my homerism is on full blast this week. I ain't even going to lie. Sorry, not sorry, Philip. I, again, enjoy this now. Just enjoy. And at least it's a Saturday or the Sunday afternoon game, so you get to wallow for a few extra hours before you go to bed. (laughs) Did did I read you guys correctly that he's considering uh, hanging it up? It, it, it's been, nothing's really been public, but this is kind of stemming from the move from San Diego to L.A. He's been, he even thought about staying behind and just retiring before this season, so I, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, doesn't he have like 13 kids to take care of? Close to it, yes. Is, is he going to be the new Antonio Cromartie? He's going to go off to uh, do reality TV shows about his giant family? But the thing is, it would be a lot better because this was all by one woman, not 11. <laughs> so basically, your big breaking news here on the kickoff tonight is that Antonio Cromartie is a man whore. <laughs> hey, 11 baby mama, 15 kids, do the math. Speaking of USA shows, I'm curious to see that new uh, football fanatics, football fanatic show. Uh, I thought about it. I don't know if I can bring myself to watch it. We'll see what happens. I probably won't either, but at least it looks kind of interesting. All right. So, like I said, my homerism is on full blast this week. You guys ready? Yep. The next evolution in said homerism. Care to guess who my well, you guys already know who my studs are because I mentioned it when our in our kickoff Facebook chat. I have two studs splitting the honors this week. The Red Rifle, Andy Dalton, <laughs> and Tyler Boyd. Gee, I wonder why. Allow me to set the stage for you that has completely changed the path of every Buffalo Bills fan of this decade who has not seen their team in a postseason game in the 2000s. It's 4th and 12 at M&T Bank Stadium. I think it's still called M&T Bank Stadium. Yeah, I think it, is. it is. Baltimore's defense has been swarming on Dalton for this entire drive, including getting to him just two plays prior. Dalton breaks out of an attempt at a sack and throws a floating pass towards the right sideline to Tyler Boyd. Boyd splits two defenders and sprints all the way to the end zone as I proceed to wake up three of my neighbors. (laughs) I am not making this up. I literally had neighbors complain to me that they could hear me scream. disadvantages of living in an apartment complex. My girlfriend is sitting next to me, and I'm pretty sure I almost made her deaf. (laughs) Yeah, I have to say, for oddly similar reasons, I, too, was screaming as that happened. So (laughs) you weren't alone, Harry. You weren't alone. Hey, look at the bright side. Where the difference between you guys having to play you guys playing us in Kansas in uh, Kansas City opening week, or not Kansas City, Tennessee? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, 
taken me years for them to, and I still can't stand them. I'm going to be honest. I love Steve McNair. May he rest in peace. But for the rest of that team, just no. At least it would have been an interesting, uh, you know, turn back, you know, especially since it's been, well, it's been 19 years, not quite 20 yet. But, uh, you know, that would have been an interesting. 17? Wait, no. Was it 99? 17? No, 19 is 2018. No. No, it's only 18. Oh, okay, because that was technically in 2000. Okay. It was the 1999 postseason. This is the 28. This is the 2017 postseason. Okay. See, I, that always can that always messes me up at times. Regardless, but it would um, be it, it would be interesting to it, it would kind of be funny to see since this is the first time that both teams are relevant to see a, a Titans uh, Rams Super Bowl again. Can we kick him off the show? Or- <laughs> Yeah, uh, um, um, oh, 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 Yes, yes, we, we know this. Hey, at least they got their uh, their due justice at the end of the Super Bowl. With yes, that. thank you, Kurt Warner. That's all I have to say about the 2000s, about the 1999 season. All right, back to what I was saying here, though. And apparently, in addition to Dalton being, well, apparently the most steady ginger I have ever seen, <laughs> apparently Bills fans have stepped up for Dalton as well. Over the course of the last four days, I believe it's been since that game happened. Yeah, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, four days. Buffalo Bills fans have accounted for almost $25,000 worth of donations to Dalton's foundation. Hmm. Most of them in $17 increments. (laughs) (laughs) Which, frankly, is glorious. (laughs) Okay, must control homerism for rest of show. <laughs> you know it won't happen. It won't. It won't. Not at all. Not a damn chance. But I'm going to try anyway. All right, let's get to the flip side of this here. Let's go to the duds. Eric, you start us. Now, I'm going to say this. I came into this show feeling pretty much three different types of ways. And one of them I will just sum up as this. May the entire state of Wisconsin become lactose intolerant. (laughs) (laughs) Yet the result of that game that happened at a certain stadium, which shall not be named for tonight's episode, and a certain football game that shall not be named for the remainder of tonight's episode, no, that should not have happened. Why do you have a hanky-janky, half-above-average wannabe left-handed quarterback all of a sudden torching what was a, albeit a little too opportunistic, and I'll admit sometimes didn't step up to the occasion a lot of times, but that was still a solid defense. It, the, 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 the turnover chain 
just no. Really? That no. That game, Hurricanes defense, that was a disgrace to the chain. Who called it? That's another one I called. Again, we're taking applications for a third co-host. <laughs> um, as the person who actually wrote the Big Ten blurbs for the Wrestling to the Max W2M Network Top 25, I became very familiar with what Wisconsin is capable of. And while I agree with you in your assessment of Alex Hornibrook, mm-hmm. their running back, Jonathan Taylor, is no joke. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I, I can concede that one. I, I got to concede that one. And I would imagine that should Taylor return next year, and I think he doesn't have a choice as he will be a redshirt sophomore, he might be considered an early front runner for the Heisman Trophy next year. As a redshirt sophomore this season? I was pretty sure he was a redshirt freshman this season. Okay, so then, yes, he doesn't have a choice. I believe Taylor was either a redshirt or a true freshman this season. Either way, his his run this year in the Big Ten, of all places, as a running back is damn impressive, invoking days of the glory days of Wisconsin running backs to the tune of names like Gordon and Dane. Don't talk about Ron Dane. Well, I mean, after all, oh, yes, that's right. He is a freshman because he set the freshman record for running back yardage. So this is a guy who Madison might want to get very familiar with there. They had an amazing year this year that nobody saw coming going 13-1. and They're a legitimate threat next year. I was just about to say that. Look for them to be a legitimate threat and hopefully getting a little bit more respect from the, well, they're they're not going to get any respect. It's Wisconsin. Well, again, don't schedule Florida Atlantic and BYU out of conference and we'll talk. <laughs> we love Lane Kiffin on this show. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, had they beaten Ohio State, mm, they would have gotten enough respect. Oh yeah, if if they if they had been Ohio State and been undefeated and not going in, you would have you thought I was mad enough about UCF. Uh, it would have been a thousand times worse. There is literally zero chance that they wouldn't have gotten in if they'd have beaten Ohio State. You're probably right. So I don't even know why we're going to waste the time to discuss this. Brandon Dud hit me. I, I've got. Uh, one, my my first true dub, but then kind of a runner-up honorable mention. Uh, Harry, you were talking about it on the flip side. But the Baltimore Ravens, all you had to do was win, and you're in. And you managed to lose to the then 6-9, under 500 Cincinnati Bengals. That's awesome. You lose to them in your own stadium. I was just about to say that. Not only did they lose a win in your in-game, they lost a win in your in-game at home. Yeah, but my true dud, and I mean, is there any truer sense of the term dud than this team this year? The Cleveland Browns. Oh, poor Cleveland. Oh, and 16. And, and Detroit. You can celebrate because you're finally not the only team to go over 
in the 16-game era. Again, to the city of Cleveland and parade organizers, (laughs) I'm right here. It is winter. I will use points to fly to Cleveland to be Grand Marshal. Come on now. And and you can go visit Harry because he's close by. Exactly. (laughs) Well, at least the Browns are famous for something. (laughs) Yeah. I guess technically infamous? Yes. Uh, and to the to the point of our Wisconsin conversation from a few moments ago, Western Kentucky, New Mexico, and BYU. Are you fucking kidding me? Yes, yes, yes. Hey, BYU used to be a decent team back in the day. Yeah, yeah. when was there. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Brandon. And now for me, because I, I, I get to wrap this up today here, I guess. Um, you know what? I'm not going to go with a team as my my dud for the week. I'm not going to go with an individual as my dud for the week. I'm going to go with an actual game as my dud for the week. Alabama Clemson 3. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that. Uh. <sighs> oh. What happens when you see the same teams over and over and over and over? But let's look at it this way. Look at it this way, Brandon. The last two times that these two teams have met and with these kind of stakes on the line, the games have been instant ESPN classics. This game would be lucky to be rebroadcasted on ESPNU. (laughs) Well, I, I, I mean, to be fair, we predicted a close game, or at the very least I did, one close game, one blowout. I just had the order wrong. And I guess that'll immediately bleed us into so that happened. <laughs> it is an all SEC final for the college football playoff. In Atlanta, no less. Brandon, that's gimmick infringement. I'm sorry, I had to use it there. <laughs> you know what? I don't hate this, and here's why. Ohio State, you can't lose to Iowa by 30 and be considered a national title contender. Sit down. Penn State, you can't lose back-to-back games, one of them at home, and still be in the contention for the national title. Sit down. USC, you got absolutely smokestacked by Notre Dame. Sit down. Like it or not, UCF, maybe the argument can be made. I mean, I don't believe so myself. I know I'm in the minority on this show, but I don't believe so myself and that UCF deserved to be in because I don't think they did. But, excuse me. Alabama was the best of the three teams that weren't locks going into the selection show last Sunday. And they, or excuse, when, it, when the selection show happened, excuse me, the Sunday following the conference title games. And they proved it against Clemson on Monday night. Now I'm going to say this. Yes, Alabama stated their case. I think they stated their case a little bit better than Ohio State did. But 
What's going to happen if we get another Alabama performance against Georgia like we saw against Clemson? Yes, that's a big win for the committee, but look at the aesthetics of the game. What this would overall mean. Well, and, and, you, and you also talk about uh, everybody's scheduling. Alabama scheduled Mercer. Mm-hmm. Mercer. Yeah, do you really but want to talk about schedule? Alabama also scheduled Florida State when Florida State was a threat. Okay, but again, so you have altogether what? One power five, one group of five, and one SES team. And yes, you had Florida State on a neutral field, not a true road game. And for arguably one of your, let's just say this for Alabama, bigger games of the regular season, typically LSU, you had a convenient bye week right before that. You want to talk about gaming the system. This is artistic right here. Well, it's pretty much even worse next year, though. This is why my concept that I came up with a couple of weeks ago, and you, you agreed with me, you liked it, Harry is the only way to fully fix this problem is you force, you know, you, because you have, you have three, uh, you have three non-conference games, correct? Um, the SEC has four. They play an eight game schedule, six, uh, five games inside of the division, or six, excuse me, six games inside of their own division, two across division. Okay, this works even perfectly, especially considering the SEC bias. All of the Power Five schools have to face each other, like you know, conferences pair up each season, and it it you can if you want to make it you know permanent or at least semi-permanent like it like in basketball like you know big east big 12 challenge or big east big 10 challenge or whatever what have you big east or you know like big 10 with sec yeah you know do something like that where each of them are paired up with one of them okay for the sec because they have an extra um an extra conference game or an extra out of conference game rather they well no each one of them have has one of the power five also for the second game they each have to pair up with one group of five conference and this is where the sec has to prove their worth because they have to do it with two Okay, here's the problem with that, though, and the fact that the uh, Alabama actually fulfills your requirement for their 2018 schedule here, Brandon. Okay. They do. They play Louisville at Camping World Stadium to open the season September 1st. Okay. It is then Arkansas State, I believe, of the uh, Conference USA, I think. At, or are they yeah, Sunbelt? Conference still? USA or Sunbelt. I think they're Sunbelt. Yeah. Still, then they definitely have a Sun Belt opponent in Louisiana Lafayette a little bit later on in the season. So they're meeting your your uh, Power Five Group of Five requirement there. Now, granted, the fourth out of conference game for Alabama next year is the Citadel, but 
It is what it is. Yeah, but that that I, I was gonna allow that. But but make it to where it it's a little bit of a rotating system and force the conf either the conferences or the NCAA makes the schedules, not the schools. So that you so that schools aren't able to so that schools aren't able to rig their schedule to avoid certain opponents. See, I'm going to disagree with you here because I think that there are natural rivalry games that allow for this to happen. And, okay, mildly Homer in this assessment as well because of the fact that I am an SEC guy. But let's be honest here. Florida, out of conference this past year, played Florida State and Michigan. Are you going to bitch about their schedule? No, not at all. But – they got to do something to where we're not having this argument of strength of schedule every year to where teams like UCF, like Wisconsin, are being looked down upon simply because of their out-of-conference schedule. All right. Allow me to look for UCF's schedule for next year. And one thing I would say is because of these, well, really the lack of conference games, limit to how far you can schedule in advance. Yeah. I think – Sorry to interrupt you here, Brandon, but uh, in regards to Eric's point there, that I will agree with. Scheduling these games four or five years in advance, the, the, the complexion of a team can change entirely in that time. Because you're losing a whole class. Absolutely. I think with you a limit to where two absolute maximum three years in advance for an opponent, that would solve a lot of these problems. I mean, uh, I don't know how it is in basketball, and I know it's a lot easier because it's a smaller team and everything. But I mean, all of these schools, especially the bigger ones, have charter flights and all of that. So mm-hmm. I honestly think it should be the year of well the right, thing is, I think for, that's what they do in basketball I think they know it's it's at least two years in advance in college basketball because they have to with college basketball okay, for, home, for, for, for all the conference they do terms. like home and home and stuff go but ahead they, Eric well I was saying not just like home and home series but Outside of, say, for example, the Big Ten, which I heard is actually going to a 20-game conference schedule, they have to plan out for all of the big, what they would call preseason tournaments Mm -hmm. that they do. Like your NIT tip-off, Diamond Head Classic, Battle for Atlantis. San Juan. Yeah. Oh, no, I agree with that. Um, a couple of corrections in regards to the show, and then we'll see what Central Florida has next year in their offseason, in their uh, out-of-conference schedule. I'll get to that in a second. First of all, it is Spectrum Stadium, not Bright House Stadium wow. in Orlando. Okay, because the, the company changed names. Okay. Uh, Brandon? Yes? If, if, if UCF had this schedule this year... You might have gotten a legitimate answer from me as far as them deserving to be in. Okay. They are at North Carolina, who is admittedly a down team in the ACC, but an ACC team nonetheless. Okay. Home for Florida Atlantic. Okay. 
that game's going to be fun in the lane train next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And home for Pittsburgh. Okay. Oh, yeah. You Wow, Scott Frost left a year. Wow. Oh, wow. But so see, see, if they'd have been walking... Reason... Go ahead, Brandon. This is another reason why I agree with you with the whole scheduling earlier on, is that if I were UCF, you know what would be one of the first teams I'd want to schedule for the next couple of years? Nebraska. Don't yeah. think it's not going to happen. <laughs> oh, not, I know it's going to happen. If not immediately, somewhere down the road shortly, that, that game is going to get hooked up. But my point being here is that with if UCF would have had that out of conference schedule this year, then I could have bought them as a legitimate threat into the uh, into the college football playoff. I still don't think they would have gotten in just because people would have still been saying that it's a weak schedule because like those are two lower end power five schools. Go ahead, Eric. I mean, with that one, I wouldn't necessarily say lower end because look at what not even so much North Carolina I'll concede that, but look at what Pittsburgh was able to do. So you, it would really have boosted both teams' resumes in that case. So yeah, I would say if they had run the table for that, I would have had them it's a lot higher than 12. I would have made a legit argument for them. I wouldn't have really put them any lower than six. I, I, I'm sorry, but given their conf- out-of-conference schedule, they're out-of-conference schedule this year. Okay, admittedly, Mother Nature screwed them out of a game against Georgia Tech. Mm. Yes, big time. Which I think a lot of people are underestimating just how good of a program Georgia Tech actually had this year. Especially with that option, you can yeah, that option, prepare for yeah. the option. That screws up your defense entirely. Also, they have to you have to consider that several of the traditional American Athletic Conference powerhouses had down years this year. Navy was not what it usually is. Mm-hmm. Temple struggled mightily compared to their previous couple of seasons when they broke the drought against. Um, when they broke their drought against Notre Dame a couple of years ago, or not Notre Dame, Penn State a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So this was a conference, or not a conference, you say, sorry. This was an American athletic that was not as strong as it had been in previous years. Both of those factors, the Mother Nature factor, the current schedule factor, as well as the, <clears throat> the downplaying of the AAC this year, all, of, all contributed to the fact that UCF finished the regular season ranked 12th. And eventually, look at what happened with the American and Bowl games. Even with UCF's win, there was something on the order of four and five. I would have to go to the conference-by-conference bowl game standings. I do not have them up in front of me right now, however. I know we're good, nevertheless... All right, uh, let's talk bowl games while we're on here. Uh, in your guys' opinion, what was the most standout bowl game this year so far? It's really hard to go against that Sugar Bowl, isn't it? Hmm. Oh. 
Oh, I'm so glad I had the fine bomb film room on for that one. Oy. For me, it really up. I would have to say the New Year's Six really up. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to correct myself here. I did not mean the sugar. I meant the Rose Bowl. I was about to say that one. That was your classic. It. I I thought that the Peach Bowl would be hard to top, but good God. <laughs> Brandon, yeah, I I think. The, the Rose Bowl was definitely one of the top, but, I mean, just for the sheer shock fact, I mean, this is kind of a, you know, semi, I guess you would have to call it a homer pick, but just for the shock factor and for the edge of your seat, the whole entire game, especially at the end, I, I would go with the Peach Bowl o- over the Rose Bowl. What... What team out of the bowl games impressed you the most going into 2018? Let's say aside from a certain group of dairy farmers in Madison, because I know Eric doesn't want to have to get bitter about that again. Aside from them? Protest. If I'm going aside from them, um, I think it's a team that I was talking about – all year, well, I talked about at the beginning of the season. I said that they were a you know a dark horse to win the SEC, and they ended up actually winning it. Um, and they could win the national championship this year, but they're still a very young team. So I think they've got a lot of good years ahead of them, Georgia. Eric, uh, I, I'm going to. Well, one team in particular that stood out for me, I'm going to have to see what they do next season because they're losing a very key piece. Can Urban Meyer keep the Ohio State train going now that JT Barrett's going to be gone? Yes, he is like a big quarterback guru, don't get me wrong, but... With the past couple of years, JT Barrett really put a special end to his career. So I really want to see what's the next move. Uh, This is assuming that Urban Meyer is still at Ohio State come 2018's college football kickoff. Yeah, oi, that, oi. We'll touch on that next, because I actually have a team that I want to toss out there as a potential threat next year, too. And it's a team that we kind of gave some publicity to this year until they completely fell off the wagon at the end of the regular season. But my God, did they show up in their bowl game. I'm going to give credit here to the NC State Wolfpack. Yeah. They put on an absolute clinic against Arizona State in the Sun Bowl. Now, uh, that's another one of those teams. They could be a powerhouse and could be competing with Florida State for the Atlantic Division title next year. Well, I think Clemson will probably still be in that mix as well, especially now that Kelly Bryan will have another year under his belt. No, true. So, I mean, that the ACC Atlantic is clearly the, the more power-heavy of the, the two divisions in the ACC. No offense to Miami. None taken. None taken whatsoever. The Atlantic is to the ACC what the West is to the SEC. Or the East to the Big Ten. 
All right, so let's talk about the thing that I just kind of broached a few seconds ago. Brandon, I want you to go first here. Since we're not actually doing a full-on buy or sell segment here, we'll go ahead and do it right here. Buy or sell that Urban Meyer is the next coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I'm going to buy this with a key caveat. And that is that he gets assurance that Andrew Luck is healthy. But at the same time, I have like I have a feeling and this may just be, you know, my how I would go into something like this, maybe not what he's thinking, but I have a feeling that they're going to have to give him a good bit of money to get him away from Ohio State, especially with the way this season ended. He's going to be he's going to want to go out for revenge next year. Eric, honestly, not just for a certain bias, but I'm going to have to sell. Yes, Urban Meyer always looks for the next big job. But I think, especially with a little bit of shenanigans that uh, swirled around at Ohio State when Urban Meyer first got there, I think he's much more comfortable in the college atmosphere. I think he's much better at recruiting and dealing with kids. I don't know if he has really that NFL sort of mindset. I could agree with that. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think. Was he ever in the NFL? No. No? Okay. See, that's going to be a big jump for him. Um, Like I said, I think the big key to this is, one, how much they're willing to give him. And, two, even bigger is whether or not Andrew Luck is going to be healthy next year. Because I... I'm sorry to interrupt here, Brandon, but I'm hearing rumors that Luck may be on the trading block. Oh! Then then if that's the case, then I'm going to sell, sell, sell this entirely. Because I have no doubt in my mind that Urban Urban Meyer is a man that wants to win. He does not care where. He does not care, you know, how much money he's making. He wants to win above anything else. I don't. I highly doubt he's going to choose a rebuilding NFL team over a team that, for one, he has you know a grudge to you know go a, a bone to pick with the uh, selection committee, but also he. I think he would think that he has the best team at Ohio State right now, and he's going to want to go for that national championship again. Not to mention, yes, Jacoby Brissett is a very capable quarterback. Yes, he's the style of quarterback that Urban Meyer has used to, has been used to ever since being at Florida. But Brandon's right. They have just way too many pieces missing, especially along that offensive line. And I don't really know if Urban Meyer's patient enough to kind of coach through and (laughs) 
process. He's always been more of a build for maybe only a year or two. But then I've got a turnkey program. I want another turnkey program. Probably one of the reasons why he turned down any opportunity to go to Notre Dame. One other interesting news bit that I've come across recently is something that I kind of want to discuss here. And then we're going to devote a significant portion of this show to our wild card round playoff predictions. So before we get into that, one other piece of news that I did want to discuss here on the kickoff is there are rumors circulating that Belichick's days in New England may be numbered. There is a major rumor circulating that should Belichick win the title this year, He's walking away. Are we seeing the beginning of the end of the Patriots dynasty? Well, I think that, well, first off, you didn't mention the other part to that rumor. He's not just, he's not, well, unless you're seeing something different. No, but, no. Um, there are, he's squabbling with Robert Kraft, but at the same time here. No, you think, no, no, I didn't, I didn't mean that part. The way oh, you mean about Brian, Brady retiring? What? You mean about Brady retiring as no. well? No. That was something I was going to mention, but no. Another thing I saw was he's considering, he's not walking away, he's not retiring. He's considering going back to New York. The fuck would he do that for? Huh? Huh? But let me just put this out. I think the key to this, like Harry just said, is whether or not this is the end for Brady. I think Belichick, I think if Brady walks, Belichick walks. You know what? I am going to say that we've seen the beginning of the end. And I'm going to tell you right now, Tom Brady's going to be the last man standing in New England. Now, what do you mean? If well, first of all, to the whole Belichick to New York thing, maybe if he wants a front office job, of course. But I have no clue why he would want to go really to either New York franchise, especially the Jets, to try to coach. Forget that. Well, no, not the Jets. He wouldn't go to the Jets. This was him talking about taking the Giants position. This might be okay. I, I'll admit no. to I'll admit to some Major League Bills homering to start this show, but that might be the biggest homer statement I've heard on this show tonight. No, no, I actually I forget where exactly I saw this, but I saw someone talking about it, saying he's you know that the don't, Giants were looking into it. Don't buy it for a single second. I don't buy it either, but I just put it out there. All right, Eric, you were saying? Yes, Tom Brady's going to be the last man standing. The reason why Belichick is grumbling and trying to give the finger to Robert Kraft, everybody in the New New England organization knew how good Garoppolo was. Everybody in the New England organization knew how capable Jacoby Percet was. Belichick is the first one to notice these sorts of things, and he realized, yes, I'm winning titles with Brady, but Brady's getting older. His days are numbered. 
I, everybody's still talking about my early coaching days in Cleveland when I had Vinny Testaverde and I wound up getting fired. I've got a great system. I've got a plug and play system. I think I can add a few more years to my career if I start someone like Garoppolo. See how far he can take me, maybe two down the road, another ring or two. Kraft said no. You're going to keep Brady and you're going to like it. So, all right, fine. Trades away Garoppolo for just a second round pick. Trades away Jacoby Brissett. And is now, from what I've heard, openly advocating and helping spur along his offensive and defensive coordinator for head coaching jobs. Normally, I, he would try to stonewall that as much as he could. I I was just about to point out, I know that I've heard for sure that he has openly advocated for Matt Patricia to get a co- head coaching job. Which yes. the, the Giants have also wanted to talk to both of them. Yes, and there, and he's granting permission. He's yeah. like, you sure, absolutely go ahead. You would never see that under normal circumstances for Belichick in this team. He is going to do his damnedest to win a ring this year, and if he does, he's leaving nobody but Tom Brady in, in his wake. Your coordinators are, will be gone. Your Backup quarterbacks are already gone. Your head coach is gone. Now, now, while I may or may not necessarily agree with this statement, but it will be very interesting to see what Brady does if that does happen. Because- oh, if- Sorry, Brandon. Go ahead. I apologize. No, no, go ahead real quick. I was just going to say, oh, if Belichick walks, Brady's done. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling Brady's, you're right, but you Brady's know why gonna, I say this. Brady's going to want to take the time to learn a new system at his age. Well, that that is true. But a lot of people, a lot of Brady non-Brady fans have been saying, oh, Brady is just a system quarterback. If he were anywhere else, he would not be nearly the player that he is. And it would be interesting to see if he would want to try to prove them wrong. With the way that he's been talking and the whole TV 12 and eating right and doing all this and that and nutrition and keeping your body and wanting to play until he's 45, he would want to go at least one more season just to prove a point. If it winds up a miserable failure, then... He cuts bait and retires. Well, see that, but see, I feel like that would be a worry to him, which is why he may walk anyway. He would be stuck between a, t- a difficult decision because on one hand, he would want to prove the, the fans that think that he's just a system quarterback wrong. But at the same time, he wouldn't want to run the risk of doing exactly what you just said, Eric, and give them a ton of ammo. Not to mention, you got to think that Brady's going to be on the lookout to protect his legacy as well. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. If he walks after one year with a different head coach where they struggle mightily, that would destroy his legacy entirely. 
I I wouldn't say destroy. Would damage. Would it take a hit? Yes, it would damage it, but it would solidify that question. Because if he just flat out walks, if Belichick leaves and that just be it, everybody's going to wonder about that. Everybody's going to look to see how the Patriots did when he wasn't the man under this system. So that's no, I agree. Thing, but at the same time, if he does stay and that and they do struggle and he isn't the Brady that we all know, then everyone's going to say, "Oh yeah, he was just a system quarterback. He couldn't do it anywhere else." So therefore, he is nowhere near the level of a Joe Montana or Peyton Manning or other guys who have gone to multiple places and won regardless. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. I've, I'll be the first person to say that I'm curious to see how things play out in New England this year. I have no interest in them winning the title, but at the same time, I would be curious to see what happens to the New England franchise once uh, once Belichick and Brady do end up walking away. Yeah, it, it's going to be very interesting. I have a feeling, and uh, Patriots fans under, uh, under 30 get ready for the first time in your life feeling this, but you're not going to be that perennial dynasty that you've been for the past 15 years. Mm-hmm. 16 years now. <laughs> They're going to be the Patriots that were just that marginal team who got on a pretty good Super Bowl run and part of the hands of Jacksonville as I was growing up. I'm going to definitely enjoy it, don't get me wrong. But <laughs> Oh, I will too. Although, to be fair, it's going to be kind of disappointing. Um, I, I mean, it wouldn't have happened fully anyway, especially because I have a feeling Eli is close to being done and you wouldn't have Coughlin. But I, I, was, I wanted the three-peat of the Brady-Belichick kryptonite to come out. <laughs> well, you guys are closer to three wins than three Super Bowls, Brandon. <laughs> this year, next year, you just wait. I don't, I don't see it, especially if Eli leaves. Well, yeah, I'll give you that. But they'll, they'll, dev- I would at least hope that they'll be better than they were this year, especially since they got rid of Macadoo. I still say the show missed out on a tremendous opportunity. As a Giants fan, I am happy, but as a co-host for this show, I'm a little disappointed because it would have been fun. Stepped in McAdoo would have been gold. Yes, it yes, would have. Oh, man. It would have been our new lane train for 2018. I'm just saying. <laughs> now we're going to have to come up with a new witty segment for next year's show. All well, right. Hopefully, hopefully it gets hired by some, like, mediocre team so we can just do it just for laughs. Maybe he'll get hired as a college coach. I mean, God knows the college oh, carousel. God. We'll talk <laughs> more college. We can talk more college carousel next weekend. And honestly, we'll probably get more into the coaching carousels once the offseason hits. Yeah. Because now the time has come for us to focus on playoffs. We're talking <laughs> about playoffs? We're just trying to win a game here. 
At least I know my team will. <laughs> you you keep telling yourself that, Eric. You keep telling yourself that. Let's start in the NFC, if only because none of us have a real rooting interest over there for this weekend. Fair. Let's start with the Battle of the NFC South. Uh, yeah. As Atlanta goes to Nolens. No, no, it's not oh, Atlanta. It's Carolina. Oh, Carolina's going to Nolens? Well, that explains what... So wait a minute. If Carolina would have won, they would have played the Rams? Yeah, um, no. No, if, if Carolina would have won, it would have been reversed, I think. Or they would have faced the Falcons again. Because well, I think the, the Wings no, and Panthers have gotten home field. Yeah, it would have been reversed because, well, not quite, because New Orleans would have still won the division. Bro, the, wait, they would have? No, if Carolina no, they're won. they're both 11 and 5. Uh, and who had the tiebreak on that one? No, but if Carolina had won, they would have been 12 and 4. So it would have yes. been So they would have won the division, and then it would have been reversed. New Orleans would have had to go to Carolina. Okay, the NFC South is super confusing, so can we start with the other wildcard game instead? <laughs> okay. With oh, the wait. other NFC South team? Yeah! yeah. <laughs> Cannot escape the NFC hey, South! Hey, hey well, that, that's another thing that I called that no one else believed in me on, that all three Carolina, or all three NFC South teams would make the playoffs. Thanks, Seattle. <laughs> no, it's not Seattle. Well, Look, to be fair, Seattle did knock out Dallas, so I'm kind of happy for them. Yeah, that, that that was like, I called it and I described it in the chat. That was like team cycling or other Olympic sports. The whole NFC South got together and decided not to have Seattle in the playoffs. I, I, I feel like Pete Carroll, I can hear Pete Carroll bitching from here. <laughs> Yeah, choose some gum and come at me, or agree with me. Either way. All right, let's go ahead and get into these predictions, and then I do apologize for getting the game incorrect here. Let's go ahead and start. Which one of these is the Saturday game? Is it Carolina? No, it's no. Atlanta against... Uh, God, Jesus! <laughs> hey, I said that you have the Rams hosting a game on the West Coast. Of course they were going to have that Saturday. <laughs> and it's Saturday night. Okay. Wait a minute. So you're telling me that the first game on Saturday is Tennessee and Kansas City? Yes. 430. Sorry. (laughs) Had a moment there. Sorry, Robert. Not sorry. All right, let's go ahead and do the NFC first, like I said here. Let's start with, well, since we're already discussing it, let's start with Carolina and New Orleans. Eric, you want to go first here? Yeah. I am picking Nolans in this one. I really don't think that Carolina, especially after a little bit of a stinker they had against Atlanta, they don't have the momentum. Now, I know Cam Newton's the kind of guy who is capable of bouncing back, especially in a clutch situation, but between what is a formidable Saints defense, Mark Ingram, Alcamara, and Drew Brees... No, New Orleans, too much firepower at home. One, trying to get one last run together for the number nine. Mm-mm. 
Um, first of all, words that have never been said in the same sentence before, formidable Saints defense. <laughs> I know. Haven't seen that since they won their Super Bowl. <laughs> but, um, all right, so you're picking Nolens. Brandon? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at this. I mean, the Panthers do have a bit of a revenge factor since they lost to New Orleans the last time they faced in New Orleans. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to agree with Eric on this one. I think the Saints, especially since they're at home in the Superdome, the Superdome, not the Silverdome. Brother. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised Harry didn't laugh at that. I gave you a brother. Oh, okay. I didn't hear it, <laughs> but um, I I think especially with the Saints at home, uh, I think the Saints will pull this out. Yeah, I'm gonna make it three for three here. We're all going with the Saints here. Um, does anybody remember the game that turned New Orleans this season around? I do. Yeah, I mm. called it. It was an zero and two New Orleans team going to a two and zero Carolina team earlier in the season. And And not only did they beat Carolina, they completely shut down Carolina in their own stadium. I want to say it's Bank Life down there. Uh, Bank of America. Okay, thank you. I knew it was. I knew it was Bank something. I used to be really good at that, and over the years, I've slipped. I need to start studying that again. Because unlike back in the day, where a stadium had one name and they stuck with it, now they change seemingly every year. Don't okay. even get me started about what's happened in Miami over the past <laughs> decade when it comes to stadium Pro games. player, Land Shark, Hard Rock. <laughs> Dolphins, Dolphins. Oh, yes, Dolphins. Dolphins. <laughs> uh, Badger, as of this past weekend. <laughs> yeah, good one. Whistle through the yard there. All right, moving on. Um, yeah, this is a New Orleans team that is playing for something here. And you guys mentioned that they, and Eric mentioned that they were going to try to get together one last run for Drew Brees. Um, if there is a quarterback in the NFL right now that's going to play until he's 45, it's not Tom Brady. It is the ageless wonder in New Orleans named Drew Brees. The dude is. He's doing stuff in his late 30s that he wasn't doing in his 20s as an NFL quarterback. Yeah, but then at the same time, he's got his wife and he's got his kids, you know, ones that he actually wants to go home to and ones that want to come home to him instead of going around spending half of their time in Brazil. Wait a minute. (laughs) I, I, I feel like you're complaining about Tom Brady being married to a supermodel. Oh, trust me. You get me drunk enough, and I'll get a good rant for you on that one. (laughs) I actually don't find Giselle attractive, but that's just me. Anyway. Neither do I. That makes two of us. That makes three of us. I'm not into them skinny bitches. (laughs) Oh, you're the chubby chaser. (laughs) I wouldn't go quite that far, but at the same time, brother here um, no i'm just saying I, I'm, I'm not saying chubby chaser but at the same time i need a chick with a little meat on her bones how how am i going to be able to have a good meal if she's not helping me make it <laughs> You're not, hey best argument i've heard in my yeah. life 
All right, let's get back to football here because that is what the show is all about, allegedly. <laughs> let's go ahead and switch over to the other NFC wildcard game, and that would be Atlanta at the Rams. This could not have been a worse draw for the Rams for their first round game. Oh, no. Not at all. And I'm going to go first here, and I'm going to call the upset here. The Falcons go into Los Angeles and take out the Rams inside of the – aren't they in the Memorial Coliseum? Yes. Yep. In LA, in the L.A. Memorial Coliseum. Matt Ryan and the Falcons are catching fire at the right time, including picking up a pretty impressive win this last week of the season. It was against the Bucks. It's not hey, that A win is a win is a win if it clinches a playoff spot. Ask the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> Good one. Just but, saying. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that, on this, Harry. And I am also picking the upset, um, especially considering um, I know a lot of people say this is overrated, especially in the play. Like, people – say that this is overrated because you know sometimes the younger team uh comes in not without the added pressure of the playoffs and not really realizing where they are and whatnot but the the uh experience factor is going to play a big factor here and the falcons are going to win because the rams are finally going to show show their youth here Eric? Honestly, I'm going to take my spot out here on the island. I'm going to disagree. Yes, this is the Rams' first home game in the playoffs, in the Coliseum in a good 40 years. And while you have a very young, playoff, inexperienced team, I don't see enough from Atlanta. I think they're barely stumbled out of bed from their Super Bowl hangover, but, but the Alka-Seltzer hasn't kicked in just yet. I, I really disagree. Think, I really think Sean McVay is going to really control this game. It's going to be a much heavier dose of Todd Gurley to take the pressure off Jared Goff, but I think that offense is going to click and do just enough to win at home. Well, that's another that's another factor too that you mentioned. Not only is this a young team player wise, but it's also a young coach who hasn't been in the league all that long, hasn't been in this position. He may crack under the pressure a little bit himself. But um with with what you mentioned with their playoff hangover, they've been on fire lately and they're getting hot at the right time. And also, I think they're going to be out for a little revenge this year. I would also point out the fact that none of us thought Atlanta was going to make the playoffs when we did our exactly. midseason predictions as well. This is a team that has turned it around. They turn it around. Am I saying that they're on fire? No. Have they gotten a couple of things together over the past two, three weeks? Absolutely. Now, if they were going to go and be positioned to blow teams out, I would gladly take Atlanta. But no, they weren't. I love L.A. So Eric stands alone with picking the Rams at home here. I just I feel like if you put Matt Ryan on the road in the playoffs, specifically if he has his full his full cache of weapons as well, this is assuming he has a healthy running back. I, I believe Freeman's healthy. 
Last Actually, as I say that, as I say that, I see an ESPN report that says running back Devonta Freeman and wide receiver Julio Jones have limited participation in practice. Oh, uh, huh. they're going to hold them out just to be safe. But I think they'll be good to go for this game, especially with it being a playoff game. Yeah, there's no, there's no chance that Jones and Freeman don't play in this playoff game. Just like there's no chance a certain person doesn't play in a certain game on Sunday as well. Uh, gimpy, 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 gimpy. Don't have to be healthy to run well in the NFL. We've kind of proven that this season. <laughs> yeah, but uh, a wounded animal and a wounded target, it's easier to hit. <laughs> and if it were cold where you're at, I'd be worried about that. What? <laughs> Hey, it may actually be kind of chilly. I mean, think about it. The, the South has been getting hammered by cold weather this past week. Okay, it's but, gonna, but it's going to warm up just in time. You're getting an all-expense-paid trip to Florida. And, I mean, think about it. What happens to an ice cube once you take it out of the freezer? Um, it melts? Exactly. Um, Eric? Yeah. We won in Miami. We won in Atlanta. Your argument is void. <laughs> oh, wow. Like Miami really counts. Ooh, I'm Jay Cutler. Ooh, <laughs> I can still throw football. Ooh. Actually, for the record, in the season ending game, we beat Nick Fails. Which is exactly. Exactly. That's even. And worse, <laughs> you can You know what? We're we're doing this now. I was gonna save this game for last, but we're doing this now since we're already sniping. And I'm just the third wheel over here. Yeah, you just sit in your corner and look pretty, Bisco. <laughs> the, the first game on Sunday afternoon, the 1 p.m. CBS game, as it were, is the Buffalo Bills at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes, myself and Eric are going head-to-head here. Eric, I feel like we have to do something with this game. Yeah, I- I'm willing to put a little something on this. <laughs> we'll discuss terms off-air and then discuss them with everybody on-air next week once we get through the show. Deal. That being said, I will point out the fact that, yes, our running back comes from cold weather. Yes, LaShawn McCoy played college football in Pittsburgh. He played most of his early NFL career in Philadelphia. He now plays in Buffalo. Is he a cold weather running back? Yes. But this is a team that has proven it can go on the road and win this year. This is a team that... This is a team that has proven that it can win games that it has absolutely no business winning. The Kansas City game springs to mind in that regard. And in terms of the cold weather thing, I think it's a lot easier going from cold weather to warm weather when you're a running back than vice versa. What Brandon said. <laughs> This is a Bills team that, quite frankly, has no business of being here. And I will be the first person to say that as a Bills fan. That being said, this is a Bills team that's going to play like they have nothing to lose, Eric. And it makes a difference. 
Buffalo goes to Jacksonville and wins. Okay. See, uh, let me tell you a little something about Jacksonville football. See, this don't happen that often. So when it does, we have pep rallies. And whenever you see a Jaguars game on TV, you, you see those tarps that you cover up in the nosebleed seats. We know. We have expectations. It's the regular season. We're going to crap the bed. So we keep those tarps covered. Let me tell you something there, Harry. Those tarps came off. Those will not be tarps. Those will be 3,500 extra fans Butts in seats. Most of them wearing Bills jerseys. Yes, absolutely <laughs> agree. Hey, I don't know necessarily. Yeah, you're getting some great weather. It's going to be about 60, maybe 70 degrees come game time. But uh, we were the ones that split second that when those tarps came off, we snapped those things up right away. Now that said, yes. Tyrod Taylor, Virginia Tech, Buffalo, Baltimore. He can run and scramble all he wants. You don't leave Saxonville without paying a little bit of a toll. (laughs) Without getting a couple of grass stains on your your person. You really think of people in in that uh, defensive line like Calais Campbell after everything that they've been through for their careers? You really don't think that they're going to show up? And Mr. One-and-a-half-leg LaShawn McCoy, you really don't think that we're just going to put up 8-9 in the box to send a message in the first quarter? You really don't think guys like Jalen Ramsey against insert mediocre wide receiver here, (laughs) the man who survived a pretty good chokehold, oh, by the way, you really don't think he's showing up? And you really don't think that this team, especially with Leonard Fournette, are going to do everything they can to make sure Blake Bortles doesn't screw this up for us? Come on, son. (laughs) You want to talk defensive stats? Let's talk defensive stats. Let's talk about a Buffalo defense who, through the first six weeks of the National Football League, were the leaders in scoring defense. Yes, we got Yes, we got it handed to us by the Chargers. That game skews our stats significantly. We got it handed to us back-to-back games there. The Saints put up 47 on us. They're the Saints. They're going to do that to people. The Chargers put up 54 on us. Our quarterback, though he shouldn't have started, threw five interceptions in the first half in that game. This is game manager Tyrod Taylor, not throw it to whoever the he wants to, Nathan Peterman. (laughs) This is a Tyrod Taylor that knows to keep Leonard Fournette, Blake Bortles, and insert mediocre Jacksonville wide receiver here off the field. Don't talk about guys like D.D. Westbrook. (laughs) I'll admit, actually, one of your receivers did me some good in fantasy football this year. I can't hate on Alan Hearns. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That being said, your mediocre, your wide receiver core is just as mediocre than ours is, and if anything, we clearly have the best receiver in this game in Kelvin Benjamin. That is true. I, even I got to concede that one. <laughs> I, I, I can't lie and just yeah. Jalen Ramsey got choked out by AJ Green. He's going to get burnt by Kelvin Benjamin. 
<laughs> Why do I laugh at such matters? Because there are falsehoods. <laughs> Sh- shall I break this stalemate? I already know where you're falling on this, and I don't want you to, but go ahead. How do you know this? You, you told us earlier in the chat that you were picking Jacksonville. Oh, okay, I did. Fair <laughs> enough. But let me put a few, uh, let me put two numbers to you, to you two, and see if you guys can figure out what they are. Three and five, and six and two. Care to wager what those two represent? Yes, I actually know exactly what they represent. Would you Correct. like Go for Correct it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't that Buffalo's first half and second half records? Wrong. Oh, okay, my bad. No, 3-5 and five is the Bills' record on the road this year. 6-2 and two is Jacksonville's record at home. Ha-ha! <laughs> oh, but we never win at home, Eric. Don't you remember saying that earlier in the season when you passed into the Jacksonville? Right in the nick of time now, didn't we? <laughs> Counter to what Eric has been saying all year, Jacksonville has been absolutely dominant at Everbank Field. And that is one of the big reasons why I say Jacksonville is going to win this game. Not to mention the fact that, unlike Jacksonville, who albeit they've been struggling towards the end of the season, which may hurt them. They, if they had kept it up and Pittsburgh hadn't been so dominant at the end of the season, they might have had a chance to even get a first-round bye. Thanks a lot, Jimmy G! (laughs) Um, Whereas the Bills had to get very lucky by Andy Dalton being full Superman this last, this past Super week. Ginger, get it right. What? Super Ginger, get it right. Super Ginger, okay. He had to go full on Super Ginger, Super No Soul for, uh, in order to get the Bills into the playoffs. Okay, can I throw a stat at you to counteract your stat? Okay. And I want you to listen real well to this one, too, Eric, because it applies to you as well. Okay. The, f- the final six games of the regular season, you know what Jacksonville's record was? Two and four? Three and three. Okay. But those three losses were to Arizona, who has done jack and squat this year, San Francisco, who didn't become relevant until Jimmy Garoppolo joined the team, and Tennessee... Try that again. I didn't hear you. On the road. (laughs) Okay, I'm not going to deny that all three were on the road, but at the same time, Arizona, who's done jack and squat. San Francisco, who, until Jimmy Garoppolo showed up, was a shell of a franchise. But that was post-Garoppolo. And Tennessee, in a game that had Cleveland pulled the miracle on Sunday, and they damn near did, would have given you guys a first-round bye. You laid an egg against your division rivals in your season finale. You know what Buffalo's record in the last six games of the regular season were? Four and two. Four and two, and those two losses were to the Patriots. (laughs) Okay, so you also laid eggs against your division rival. Not to mention, yeah, Tennessee swept us this year. 
that's why I was so thankful that we don't have to play them again. Otherwise, I would be really worried. In those other two games, Brandon put it best. San Francisco, that's Garoppolo. Dude's a beast from New England. Looks like a GQ model trying to play for a franchise contract. Fine. And that game against Arizona, Mr. Blaine Gabbert. Oh, oh, I was a Jaguar too. You let me go? You treat me like crap? What about this? Ha <laughs> ha! I shall have my revenge! I will say this much, for as much love as I am giving the Red Rifle today, Dalton damn near knocked us out of the playoffs earlier this year when Cincinnati beat us, so. Yeah. But, yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun next week, uh, especially for me hearing you two bicker. Oh, and God forbid this game ends on something hanky like a bad call or something. God. Yeah, if that happens, I am guaranteeing a total lack of sobriety. Just be prepared. And, Sean, if you're listening, you won't need a dump button this week, but get one on hand for next week. Oh, no, he's still going to need one because I'm going to tell you guys right now, if anything hanky goes down in this match that cost one of us this game, the proverbial shit is going to hit the fan next next Wednesday. <laughs> oh, and, I'm, and again, I'm just going to be the third wheel here riding it out. Um, we have another call. We have another playoff game to predict, but frankly, it feels like an afterthought at this point. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Tennessee at Kansas City. I'm going Chiefs. Yeah, Chiefs. I'll make it unanimous Chiefs. That was simple. <laughs> that being said, now let's let's give this game a little bit more attention than this here. That being said here, uh, I don't think there's any question Kareem Hunt's your rookie of the year, right? Oh, definitely. Hands down. Hands down. This is an Alex Smith who has played like the Alex Smith that was supposed to be the heir apparent to Steve Young in San Francisco. Yeah, I have to agree with that. The way well, that the offense has been clicking, yeah, he's really stepped it back up. These well, are the logical And yeah, also, like, like we talked about with, with uh, Atlanta, the Chiefs are getting hot again at the right time. That was just what I was about to say there, Brandon. Thank you for cueing me right into that there. Actually, this is an Alex Smith that is once again playing like the Alex Smith that was supposed to be the heir apparent to Steve Young, like he did at the start of the regular season, and as he's done in their final four-game stretch, which led them to winning the AFC West. Well, I mean, he he didn't play in the last game, but you know what I mean. Yeah, This this has been a tale of three seasons for the Chiefs. The first five games where they looked absolutely unstoppable. The next, what, I'd say six or seven, seven, where they looked like they were back to being the mediocre to less than mediocre Chiefs that we all know. And the last five where they became once again the dominant force in the AFC West. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like we're doing this game a disservice by not discussing it more, so I feel like we kind of have to, even though... I uh, mean, there, there really isn't all that much to talk about, though, in this game, because, I mean, the Titans kind of, you know, 
limped their way into the playoffs. The Chiefs have looked absolutely dominant. I think it's going to take it's going to be a huge surprise. I think this is the game out of all of them that I'd be most surprised of the team that we aren't picking to win winning. You know, the the Falcon the Falcons Rams game while I I think most of us I think most of us picked Atlanta, correct? Uh Eric stood alone there. Yeah. So you know, I would not be surprised to see the Rams win it, though, if they did. Um, the Bills-Jags, I think it's, you know, I think the Jaguars are the favorite, but it, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Bills win. And the Panthers-Saints game, I was honestly thinking about it, is a bit of a toss-up. The Panthers-Saints game is going to depend on which quarterback has a better control of his team. And to be frankly honest, I think this game's going to come down to that as well. I think it's going to become a case of Alex Smith outplaying Marcus Mariota. And I think it's also a, a case of, you know, this, well, I think it's also going to be very similar to what we talked about with, the, what, well, what, what I talked about with the Rams-Falcons game, where it's going to be a case of, experience against uh, youth, where this is Mariota's first playoff run, whereas Alex Smith, uh, he was in the playoffs with the 49ers in the past. What about the coaching here? Where do you guys fall in the line with the coaching here? Because Andy Reid has experienced a lot of postseason success, but at the same time, this is Andy. this is an Andy Reid who has choked in games that he has no right losing. Yeah, but I would rather trust Andy Reid and even choking rather than Mike. I'm full of malarkey. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would definitely have to agree with Eric here. While yes, Andy Andy Reid has choked away games in the playoffs. Most more often than not, it's later on in the playoffs, like you know, divisional round or championship round. So I think he's pretty safe. Uh, in this game, I think I think he'll bring out his best in the wild card game. You make fun of Mike Marlarkey. We in Buffalo can't hate the guy. He did lead us to a pair of nine and seven seasons. Yeah, he got you to a pair of nine and seven seasons. What did he do for us? Two and fourteen. I mean, in fairness, we had talent. We did too. He just it was the whole thing between that and his son being a. One of the weight trainers and drug addiction, and we were just happy to see him go. Well, there is one thing we can all agree on: at least none of our coaching, at least none of our coaching staff does crack. <laughs> Agreed. We, we we all got that going for us. Miami, you stay Miami, you glorious <laughs> bastards. Yeah, yeah. Just hey, you know. I, did, did um. I, I know they were talking about it this past week, but did uh, Hugh Jackson stick to his word and jump in the Ohio yet? I've not heard anything about it. In fairness, I don't watch much in the way of local news, but I can Google that for you and let you know once we go off air. Okay. Lake Erie, it was Lake Erie? Oh, Lake Erie. Might, not yeah, they might have delayed it a little bit because of the cold. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, I know... I know I was in uh, I know I was in uh, uh, Pittsburgh over the course of the holiday season, and a couple of the Pittsburgh rivers were starting to freeze over. And frankly, the last thing that Hugh Jackson needs on top of zero and sixteen is hypothermia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. 
No lane train. No are you serious? I feel like this is a, oh, we do have one other thing to do here tonight. I oh, just remembered. Yeah. We have a college football championship game to predict. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Again, feels like an afterthought after the conversation we just had about the NFL playoffs, but well, because it should be. Especially, I mean, at least for me, it pains me, but it's kind of obvious. Nick Saban is eleven and zero against former assistant coaches. I don't see this being any different. No, no not to mention Jake Fromm is not that mobile of a quarterback. That's an Alabama defense's dream. And we all know that, you know, they're going to get the calls. They might not get all the calls, but it's still. I mean, they are, I, I will say they are in Georgia. That is true. That may be one X factor that may give oh. Georgia a bit of an edge. Yeah, well. Uh, I'd say that, but but unfortunately, Eric has firsthand experience that that doesn't always work out as planned. Exactly. Not to mention, it's Atlanta. Alabama's used to being in Atlanta. The SEC championship. And it's just a stone's throw away. So, you know, it's not like it's a huge travel for one of the teams. Uh, You can can make the argument that Atlanta is Tuscaloosa East. Not to mention, it is a little bit of a travel because Georgia's coming back from Pasadena. Alabama's just making a quick jump from New Orleans. So that is true. That's all something else in their favor. Uh, much as I hate to say it, the tide rolls 35-21. Yeah, as much as I hate to say it, I have to agree with uh, Harry here. And yeah. You got a score for me? Um, I'll go 28-24. 35 Damn, you're going the blowout. Yeah, Saban ties the bear. Do we have do anything think, else to... You, let, me, let me just put one... Quick question. I think I know the answer to both of you, but considering it seems like Saban has ever has done everything you can possibly imagine and more in college, do you think uh, Saban ever uh, tries to pull up his uh, pull up his work trunks and come to the real where the real boys where the big boys play? None. Zero. Never happens. No, he, I, know, I, know, I know. He's not an NFL coach. He tried, and I think the fact that he could not get Drew Brees in Miami, and he did as best as he could with Dante Culpepper. No, yeah, he's going well, to win I think another. That's the main. I think that's the main reason why he will never go to the NFL is that he can't just simply say, "I'm Nick Saban." I'm at Alabama. Do you want to win a national championship? And 18 year old kids say yes, and he can get anybody he wants. Well, it wasn't even necessarily his fault. Drew Brees failed a physical. Yeah. He passes that physical. He's a Miami Dolphin. 
No, I agree with that. But even even without that, I think with other yeah. free agents, it would have been a lot. It's a lot harder to get free agents to go to your oh. team in the NFL than it is to get college recruits to go to your school, especially when you're Alabama and you're Nick Saban. Exactly. So I think he gets this one. He'll eventually tie the bear with six titles at Alabama have his seventh overall, and once he gets lucky seven, he just retires. Yeah, probably. So two more years before we stop having to deal with Alabama. Three at the most. <sighs> can, can, can we stop dealing with him now, please? Yes, Let's... I wish we could. Go Gators. I wish we could, but I mean... As someone who doesn't have too much of a beef against Alabama, I, I say let him do his thing. I just have a beef with him in the sense that people complain about uh, the Patriots winning all the time, yet no one talks about the fact that, you know, every year it's the same exact thing in the in college football. We'll see where things go from here because obviously there's still a lot of football to be played over the course of the next seven days. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, te- technically, more specifically, over the course of the next five days, Sunday, uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yep. Mm-hmm. You can tune in back here to the kickoff next Wednesday night as we will break down what happened in the wild card games. One of us will eat crow. <laughs> We're, or we're not sure who yet, but we'll find out come Sunday around 4.30. Uh, I'll send you a fork and knife, although I will say garlic pepper. You'll want to have garlic pepper for your crow. <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a lemon pepper guy myself, but thanks for the insight. Lemon pepper is good. Dude, I, you can't go wrong with some lemon lemon pepper grilled chicken breast. And just like that, I know what I'm having for dinner tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> Glad we could help. Absolutely. Uh, do we have anything to add before we get out of here? We've already run a little long tonight. I'm good. I'm just interesting to see how the next couple of weeks play out in terms of uh, the coaching carousel in the NFL, with especially with my giant. Yeah, we'll be devoting more time to talk about the coaching carousel, both collegiate and NFL, once the playoffs are a wrap here, just due to the fact that just due to the fact that we put so much precedence into the games that matter this time of the year. I'm assuming we're waiting on uh, postseason awards until the end of the playoffs. That would be accurate as well. We will be doing our year end awards as well as our early predictions for 2018 at the beginning of February. Sounds good. Eric, where else can they find you? On Twitter, at Squid Sportshead. I have really recently made my reintroduction to the Raider Ramble, so you can check my musings about the uh, bits and bobs of chaos happening out west on RaiderRamble.com. We've got, with Sean, football to the max, soccer to the max, and uh, I'm going to have to make a plea to get some certain supplies because, yeah, trying to do a point of viewer without them just isn't the same. Brandon, plugs. Uh, the only plug I really have right now is uh, we're going to start a new uh, fantasy football podcast. It'll be fantasy football to the max. 
uh, that will start. We'll do a little year year in review uh, after the Super Bowl, and then probably start off uh, fully uh, come the draft. Um, and for the first week in a while, uh, I was not on the SmackDown review, but I may be on periodically here and there coming up and uh harry and i not sure when we'll start it but we're gonna start a new uh wrestling podcast as well talking about the monday night wars the current plan is to get that going sometime towards the summer once the football schedule eases up a bit for now though you can listen to myself as well here on the kickoff, obviously, as well as on the SmackDown and 205 Live reviews that Brandon just mentioned. They happen every Tuesday night here on the W2M Network. My traditional co-host, Miss Liz Puglisi, was back with me yesterday, uh, Wednesday, Tuesday, for those of you listening to this show on a delay. And we discussed both SmackDown and 205 Live, relatively disappointing episodes both this past Tuesday night. But hopefully the road to the Royal Rumble brings bigger and better. As Brandon said, we do have a new wrestling-related podcast going back into 1995 to start with How the War Was Won. Our presentation on the Monday Night Wars between WWF and WCW. So look forward to that coming to the W2M Network as well. In addition, you can listen to me on the Raw Reaction every Monday night with Tony Acero and Andrew Ballas on Chairshot Radio Network. And the big breaking news I guess I have for tonight is that myself and Patrick Ketza will return with Wrestling Unwrapped as we present the Royal Rumble W.U. reacts to the 2018 Royal Rumble. That will be our return episode. That will obviously be January 28th after the Royal Rumble. So, for our executive producer, Sean Garmer, my co-hosts, Brandon Biscabing, and the man who's going to be very sad come Sunday afternoon, Eric Watkins. Good night. I'll mail him to you. I'm Harry Broadhurst, thanking you for listening to The Kickoff here on the W2M Network. We'll talk to you guys next Wednesday night. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.